welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Happy Wednesday, my dear. How is it already August? It just feels like time was so slow at the beginning of coronavirus. Like, April just felt like it was inching along, and then all of a sudden we're at August, and it feels like time has flown in the maybe six, seven weeks that we've been back here in New York City. I have been a little bit quiet on Instagram lately because, not that I'm saying because, as though you're like, oh my gosh, where is she? I'm just saying. I've been creating a lot of content. Um, I'm working on the deadlines both for the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, all the inside content. I've just been pouring over all of those pages and the audios and videos that goes along with them and just really rethinking everything and then simultaneously my own self-imposed book deadline book timeline for writing my style book and it has just been reminding me that as important as Instagram is and as much as I love it it is one place where I share content so along with the podcast that's four places in one week that I am teaching or writing working on the journal and the book and the podcast and Instagram so I've just really been challenging myself to remember at times what are the things that have the biggest and most long-lasting impact just a little aside for any of my fellow content creators to just remember, you know, as humans, we've got that addiction to Instagram. And then as content creators, we're also like, oh, I should probably be on there. And that sometimes there are seasons to say, okay, but five years from now, that Instagram story is not going to exist. And the book that I write still is, um, or the year that someone has spent going through the journal, or those of you that binge the podcast, that you discover it and you listen through all the episodes and then you get up to here. I love you. You are my people because I do that with other podcasts as well. Um, I see you. And so today I want to share something that I've been thinking about for myself while writing the book. There, you know, one of the things that I love about my job in the world, about exploring what makes women feel beautiful, is that I too am a woman who wants to feel more beautiful. Um, I am not simply teaching from the place of having been an expert at something, but I am constantly exploring you know, how do I feel about this new wrinkle that's developing? And what can I do about that? Why am I bothered by it? Does it bother me that I'm bothered by it? So a lot of the times when I will learn something new, I just will sit with it for a while, really being like, how does this hit me? And how does this, I think this applies for other people. And so much of the story around beauty comes back to marketing. You know, if we just kind of start at the very beginning, very good place to start, we're told that what is beautiful is young, thin, and white. Why has this been decided that this is what we were told? Meh, I'm like interested and disinterested in this. In some ways, it's like, I don't really know. In other ways, it's complicated. But I mean, ultimately, marketing is about making money. It is about someone saying, I'm going to agitate this pain point in your life so that you will give me money to relieve it, or I'm going to laud this beautiful pleasure point that you would like in your life, so you will give me money so that I can help you to attain it. So helping people stay younger is a stronger motivator. Having people get, trying to help people get smaller there's a lot more people that want to be getting smaller. These are just things that make sense for people to try to market it to us. But ultimately, we know that marketing is such a powerful part of how we see our bodies, which we're so used to it 
But I think it is really helpful to kind of say like, you know what, I, I am just a woman in a body. I have this body. I like learned to, to walk and talk and crawl and, you know, all of the things as a baby. Like I'm just a body. This body gets me from place to place. This body houses my organs, which like I just very factually have this body. And uh, I am marketed to all the time to hate it, to want it to be different, to attach all of these meanings and stories to it. And I'm so used to that because I have grown up likely in the 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 Western world or a, you know, first first world if you are listening to this podcast. And so these messages have just been my whole existence. And yet we see from studies that when certain countries, for example, get television for the first time, Within a few years, they start reporting eating disorders that didn't exist before. Like we can factually see that there are people who, perhaps unlike you and I, didn't grow up with this, got it all of a sudden, and it radically shifted their view of beauty. So we know that this is a reality, and we've become more aware of it over the last few years, you know, maybe over the last decade. With each year, it gets stronger. These pushes of not Photoshopping and having diversity of models and casting. And that's wonderful. We are coming more aware, becoming more aware of it, waking up a bit to it, and the, uh, the what we are seeing in front of us is changing a little bit. But my new reality for myself was that it's also realizing this is based on a growingly outdated model of magazines and commercials. So magazine readership or the influence of magazines has wildly been dropping. Last year, two years ago, I can't recall while I was planning my wedding, Martha Stewart uh, wedding magazine closed down. Brides magazine closed down. I had been speaking to brands during that time about the fact that there just isn't the clear ROI from magazine advertising that there is now in digital. So a brand would just be much more likely to want to use online advertising where they can really see what's working than take a gamble on an ad in a magazine where they really don't know what the impact is of it. Uh, Australia just recently, a bunch of their style magazines all announced they were closing down. I think it was like Elle and and different offshoots. So what um what a lot of women would say they previously used to look through magazines especially I feel like maybe women of a, a generation above me that was really the media that you could consume that's where you could see the fashion and the celebrities and all of things we are consuming that a lot less instead you're on Instagram where you are the editor in chief you get to decide What's worthy of being on the pages? What's beautiful? What's interesting? What you think the the reader wants to consume, the direction that you want the reader to go in? And you are the reader. You are deciding as an editor-in-chief for an audience of one yourself what you want in your magazine, in your newsfeed on Instagram, in front of your eyes on Instagram stories, in front of your eyes for many minutes while you watch an IGTV. And I really started to pay attention for myself. Are you looking daily at different examples of what beautiful is? And I feel there was a bit of a push about this uh, really starting a few months ago as we started to talk more about racism 
in uh, specifically here in America, and this this call to diversify your feed, diversify the voices on your feed. But to me, it, it is far beyond that, that it, it does include skin color. Um, and that is not just black and white. That is, you know, any variety of ethnicities. It is body size, uh, body shape, its age, um, and also following people that you are aware their beauty is not the prime reason that you are following them. You are attracted to them as a human, not in a sexual way. You are attracted to them because of their wisdom or because of their humor. There are other attributes that you are looking at. And I will say, as I've started to look for this diversity myself over the last couple months, it, it can be harder to find those accounts that are using Instagram at the level that I'm used to using it. Now, please don't misunderstand that I am not saying thin, young, white women are better at Instagram, for example, inherently in some way. But that demographic has been more rewarded, given more opportunities. So there are more of them making a living, motivated to be excellent at it, who have been here you know, since before I before I joined the online space, which was nine years ago in my business, there are women that have been doing this for, you know, 12 years, increasing their photography skills and their writing skills and the the way that they curate content. So, for example, I found a beautiful, um, like, uh, gray-haired model, long gray hair. She's probably in her 60s, maybe even in her early 70s. Um, beautiful woman. And I was looking to diversify to make sure that I'm not again, just to myself, constantly looking only at younger women as my example of beauty. But this model, I mean, she's just not that Instagram savvy. Like sometimes her photos seem to be like a photo of a photo, like a screenshot, and the caption doesn't really say anything. Like it's fine. I'm visually to myself checking off the box of seeing someone who looks older, but it's not. um, There's this British woman, Trity Woodall, that my friend Georgie and I are just obsessed with. She's like, I think she's in her mid-50s, has exceptional style w- wisdom because she's had a lifelong career in front of the camera. So Trini spent her entire career doing this and now she's doing it on Instagram because she was in that thin young white woman category of being given the opportunity to excel at something that now translates over to Instagram. Where this other woman is a model, she was, she, she is thin and white. She was at some point in that younger model category, but she wasn't a thought leader or a teacher. She just wasn't developing that skill set. So she's on Instagram and it's a visual representation. But I just realized the women I, I, I am used to looking for, you know, more. And so I've even had to say, why does not as much of this exist? And also for thin, white, young women, uh, their message isn't niche. Like they aren't having to fight for equality or acceptance. So they're just like, here's my day. Here's my baby. Here's what I'm up to. And by the way, to be clear, I am one of those women. I'm in no way putting them in another category. But a lot of women um, who are in those more niche categories, they are trying to speak up also for their area and sort of you know, be saying, here's why we should talk about ageism and here's why we should talk about body positivity and here's why we should talk about racial inequality. So I know that for me, I often, and I I know that I'm not alone in this, I'm on Instagram for escapism. Not exclusively that, but 
a lot of times I am using news or podcasts or research to get more education on all of those areas. And then oftentimes I'm opening my phone when I am, it is my beautiful visual magazine. You know, I'm looking for travel and leisure and beauty and that's how I'm using it. So it can be more rare to find those diverse voices that also are providing a lot of that escapism. And I say all of that simply to say that I am having to actively seek out those diverse visual representations of beauty that I truly connect with and am so inspired by. And therefore, I think it's active work we need to choose to do. I think that if I'm aware how much thought I've put into, why am I struggling to find these people? Or why am I not resonating as much with this person as someone in another category? That it just kind of says to me, okay, I don't know that there is a plethora of people the moment that you decide to do a quick search. It may be having to say, actually, there hasn't been equal representation. So I'm going to have to keep digging and even just find some um, some accounts that may be growing in this way and just encourage them without um, saying, you, you know, in my mind, you kind of need to be on par with what I'm used to in this platform. So it's also just being conscious about that disparity that is that has previously previously existed but I think that it is wildly important something as seemingly simple as your Instagram feed it gives you a power that you have never had before the shocking amount of time that so many of us spend on social media we are visually seeing in front of our eyes so many women every day and we get to control that in a way that no previous generation did they had the media that was presented to them and that's all there was there was a few magazines and none of those magazines were saying you know hey we're gonna have all of this diversity that is very new so it's new and also we are newly empowered I was watching a I've been watching a lot of documentaries on not a lot I've watched a handful of documentaries on beauty um, as I've been percolating on this and doing research for the book. And one of them featured a woman who has some sort of physical condition uh, with her hormonal balance that she grows a full beard, like a truly full beard. And I was very aware how uncomfortable I felt watching her because I just had never seen that before. And there were other women that fell into less traditional descriptions of beauty. Someone who had uh, had lost limbs, someone who was a burn victim. And I, again, because I too am a woman who cares about my own beauty, I really question these things for myself. And then, of course, it's heightened for me because I am an educator. And I feel like if I can have an aha and an insight, I can help, you know, hundreds of thousands of us do the same. And so I just really paused and was aware. I spent a lot of time on her Instagram account, just really kind of sitting with, I feel uncomfortable because I have never seen a woman with a beard. I just haven't seen this before. And, you know, to to be clear, I'm not, I feel like, it sounds like a bad thing to say that out loud because it seems like we're. I, I would be making a judgment. Like, that's bad. I don't like that. I don't find her attractive. But simply from that neutral place of, I, I am uncomfortable with this because I've never seen this before. And I think that we know that 
throughout our lives, we realize based on where we where we lived, how we were raised. I would imagine you've had those moments where you realized, you know, and maybe this was recently or maybe this was many years ago, you had never seen an interracial couple. You had never seen a gay couple. You had never seen, you know, specifically a lesbian couple or an older lesbian couple. That there's just certain things that you realize, I, I feel a more heightened awareness. Like I remember realizing that for myself um, one time many years ago that I had so many uh, male gay friends being in musical theater and I had younger uh, lesbian friends, but I I just didn't know any older lesbian women. And so it just hadn't been in front of me. This was many, many years ago. And I just remember some sometime, I don't remember what the instance was, it sort of hitting me. You know what? I I have no problem with the people in my life that are gay, but I just haven't seen this category, so it's hitting me as new. So what with these more unique views of beauty, it is probably more rare to say, "Oh, I'm seeking out this unique condition." That's the extreme example of, "Wow, I have actually never seen someone who visually looks like that. And yet, when you then distill that down, you say, okay, but what if it's just not very often do I see someone who visually looks this way in terms of beauty? I just don't as often see this. It is less common, and therefore my brain is more skewed towards the other. And so I'm ever more aware that your definition of beauty starts with what you see and the thoughts that you have about what you see. And if it is something new, your brain is going to say that is different. And if it is something that you are frequently seeing, you've already had a lot of thoughts that are accepting of this, that are honoring of this, that are elevating of this, then that over time starts to shift and expand your definition of what your eyes and your brain register as beautiful. And that expansive vision creates more space for your body and your beauty or that of the women around you. And so part two that I want to challenge you First part one starts with what are you visually choosing to put in front of yourself? And then part two is to notice what you think when you see these other women. And for me, I notice it most in myself when it's just women that I'm passing on the street. Are you thinking, wow, she has a large butt? Like just notice that that fleeting thought flies in front of your flies across your brain and how often you don't even notice it. And and again, just don't don't beat yourself up for it. Just notice, why do I think that? Like large, large compared to what or compared to who? And it's just starting to question because I am really becoming aware of those fleeting thoughts. And I am not mean girl talking anyone in my head. I am not inherently a judgmental person. I'm very confident that I'm not walking around picking these women apart. But I notice now every once in a while, a fleeting thought will go past and it's so quick and it's so little, I might not even notice it. I could be having a conversation about something else over here and I'm just having to say, where is that coming from? Why is that a definition of large or a definition of? of old or something associated with those things. 
where is that coming from? And I also would imagine, I don't know because I'm not in anyone else's head, but I would imagine those fleeting thoughts happen less for me, not because I am a better human, but comparatively, number one, I think I'm pretty at peace with my body. Now that comes partially because of my size, because I am a smaller, more straight size. I am nearer to that uh, you know, marketing cultural ideal, though that certainly is not the answer. I can tell you from having worked with hundreds and thousands of women that a a larger size woman can be much more confident and a smaller size woman can be much more insecure. That is not the heart of it, but I just do acknowledge my privilege in that way. I think mostly it is through my style work that I have become so much more confident and peaceful because of everything that I've learned through being immersed, not in my world of research, but in my world of being in my course and with my previous one-on-one clients and just hearing women talk and realizing oh my gosh, we all beat ourselves up so much. We're all so insecure. I didn't even notice the thing they were insecure about, so they probably didn't even notice the thing that I'm insecure about. We're all making this bigger in our head. Like That really has healed me over time. And now I am much more focused genuinely on what I find beautiful. And that might be clothing. It might be an accessory. It might be a lipstick color or you know whatever. Um, but when it comes to what we notice in other women, pay attention twofold. One, is it the cultural ideal? Is it this marketing norm? Because I think it's it's a little bit like racism to me that I think there is such an inherent desire to say, oh, I'm not racist. You know, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. Like, that's not me. I don't want to be a bad person. So that's not me. And I think what we've learned so much so many of us over these last few months, is it's it's not about bad person or good person. It's about acknowledging the tiny, small thoughts and stories, really the stories that you have been told by culture or by people in your life and the way that that affects your view of the world and your vision. And I think it's the same when it comes to beauty. I know you're not a judgmental person. I know you're not body shaming everyone in your head. I know you're not saying mean things, but we've been told a story that small, that 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 thin, white, and young is beautiful. And so that story does permeate our vision. So we're noticing just that in general. Am I having a thought that just is part of that cultural ideal? Interesting. Where does that come from? Where where is where am I even taking in those messages? What could I do to shift that? Huh, just food for thought. And then the other part, and I've, I've taught on this for a long time, which is you noticed most on others what you notice on yourself. So if your thing, I've I've shared the story before that I had a girlfriend one time who pointed out someone's thigh gap. This was like the first time I'd ever heard of thigh gap this years ago. And she was like, oh, like, oh, like that girl, that girl's thigh gap or your thigh gap. She's like, my thighs just don't do that. And I was like, that's so interesting because it has never occurred to me to wonder whether or not I had a thigh gap. Like, that's just my legs are not my thing. My thing is my stomach. So I'm always looking at are other women's, are there, does her stomach look flat in that dress, in that wedding dress, in that in that bathing suit, like whatever it is that I'm you know, looking at in myself at the time. And so I've always been aware of this. And therefore, you think, well, surely everyone else is noticing my stomach. No, the people noticing your stomach are the other women self-conscious about their stomach. And when you think about it like that, suddenly you're like, oh, 
And it's more their own judgment about themselves. They're unhappy with this part of their body. So they might be looking at me feeling badly about themselves that my stomach's a little better than them or feeling good about themselves that my stomach's a little worse than theirs. But that's that's judgment's really not about me. It's purely that they're like, okay, I feel a little bit more confident in myself because my stomach's flatter than hers, whatever. This came up the other day we were... Um, coming back from a walk and Jeremy was like, our elevators have mirrors and Jeremy's forever joke, not joke. He's like, you know, he's looking at his hair and like things like that. It's sort of like a subtle, subtle cheeky joke of like how much he loves looking at his reflection whatever, because he knows it'll make me laugh. And so he's looking in the mirror and he's like, do my arms look more buff when I roll my sleeve up like this? He had a short sleeve buttoned down. He like cuffs it once. And he's like, does this make my arms look more buff? And I was like, babe, there are... I was like, I was like, are we talking about women or men? Because women are looking at men as four categories. And please forgive these generalizations. I would never actually write this in like a magazine article that tries to be like, there's, you know, there's apples and there's pears and there whatever. But you'll see where I'm going. I was like, women are looking at like, he's a really skinny, scrawny, small guy. He's, uh, you know, chubby, whether that's like a little or a lot. He's super buff, like ripped works out all the time or he's just average and I was like honey you're just average so it was like no, no woman is is getting is thinking you're a little bit more attractive because your arm looks a little bit more buff like you just fall into one of the boxes and you're not a, you're not cuspy you're not like you were skinny and you were trying to get a little stronger or you were heavier and you were trying to lose a little weight you're just squarely an average so you know what it absolutely no woman is noticing if your arm looks a little bit more buff I was like as far as women I'm sorry, as far as men, the only people who are actually examining you are men. And uh, especially because you have a wedding ring on, like it's not like girls are actually, you know, flirting with you. So like, the only people that are really noticing are men and the people who, and it's not the guys who are chubby, buff, or skinny. It's the other average dudes who are looking at your arm to think, is his arm a little bigger than mine or a little smaller than mine? And the only reason he's looking at you is because he's focused on himself. So there are a lot of layers and angles to how we feel about our bodies and our beauty, which is why I have a style course and why I'm writing a style book. But a new one that I haven't taught on and am expanding is what's literally in our line of vision. Number one, that we are choosing to look at more types of women and number two, we are choosing to think thoughts about how they are beautiful. That we are noticing, I'm not just following these women on Instagram, but I'm noticing my thoughts and I'm encouraging my thoughts. You know, we've talked in um, one episode that I will link below about having the next best feeling thought. And like, what would the next best feeling thought be? Even if your natural thought is not the best, again, not because you're a bad person or you're judgmental because you've been conditioned with this one story we all have for so many years. And maybe, likely, because it's associated with with you. That, you know, your size, your age, you don't have the most positive thought about that person because she's a little bit like you or you would be afraid to be a little bit like her because you have this story in your head. So it's not just that we are visually taking these in, but then we're also starting to notice 
What are the thoughts that we have about them? And that we actually are in control of those thoughts, even if it starts with simply questioning, why am I having this thought? Where does this come from? Or what would a next best feeling thought be? Because it's not realistic that all of a sudden overnight, you're going to change what your perception of beauty is. Just like overnight, you are not going to, you know, change your entire lived experience of any, you know, I don't, I don't want to say racist thoughts because people don't like that, but non-anti-racist <laughs> thoughts and experiences in the world. But as we've said, it starts with a series of small shifts. That's the only way we do anything, you know, make make progress on race relations, heal our anxiety, start a business, feel more confident in our bodies and our beauties. And in addition to Instagram being a place that we can take that in, there's a few other areas commercials, I've really thought about how I just watch very few commercials these days because almost everything that we are watching is on uh, is online. We watch very little live television right now. It, you know, if you're watching a Netflix or a Hulu or whatever, you've already you've already paid for it. So you're not getting advertisements. Now, I am not here to sponsor any of those places, but it just is really worth noting. I had never thought, you know, the value of my $10 a month is also that I'm not seeing any of those car commercials and shaving commercials and all those other things. Huh, never thought about that. I just want to be able to watch reruns of West Wing and those are on Netflix. But also, bonus, I'm not watching any of those commercials, which I don't get to curate what's put in front of me. Uh, TV shows. Speaking of West Wing, I've thought West Wing is the predominant thing that we've watched for many months. And the the beauty of the of the women on that show is not the emphasis. There are some of my favorite characters are older women or just non-traditionally attractive women. Sure, every once in a while there's flirtation and someone's in a beautiful dress, but it's very rare. The romance is a lower part. And so I just thought, okay, interesting. I'm not every single night taking in this certain aesthetic of beauty. And I had to think when I've watched predominantly for me what stands out is reality shows. The Bachelor, Real Housewives of New York, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Again, no judgment on these, not saying that we shouldn't watch these. I've watched all of them and I'm real into the Bachelor franchise, so I guarantee you I will watch that again. But I think it's simply the awareness. Oh, interesting. This this is all one very narrow standard of beauty. Every woman who goes on The Bachelor has a flat stomach. That's the way it works. It would be like watching the Miss America pageant. There's there's a specific thing here. Going to see the Radio City Rockettes, who I performed with for many years. There's a very specific standard of beauty. And simply being aware of that may be enough to not say, I need to cut this out of my life. But that's a small shift. I'm just going to keep reminding myself, this is a one specific standard of beauty and I, I am not, I am going to be aware if I'm thinking, oh, all these girls are so young and thin and white. And you're like, oh, yeah, right. That's because it's, it's like a standard, you know, commercial marketing thing. What uh, Bachelor has been around for, you know, 15 years or something. That's how everything was then. Really hasn't evolved. Maybe you have a little bit more ethnic diversity, but like haven't really come a long way. Kardashians, like, yeah, they are at the apex of that whole cultural ideal. So let's just, you know, be aware of it. And if that is your fluff entertainment, great. But just also noting, in movies, simply acknowledging, oh yeah, a Bond girl is going to have a certain look. Again, that is what that is. And just kind of analyzing it, just being aware 
is one piece of the puzzle. And I think what I realized is just how how much we take in without any of that conscious thought. And when I realized, for example, that I really haven't tried to add that much diversity to my Instagram feed because there aren't a lot of gray-haired, you know, uh, influencers out there. So I'm going to really actively, you know, seek this out. Um, and, And also just how often do I find new people? You know, maybe I've just been following these people for a long time. Um, and of course, I also think about this with our, with our girls. I am not a parent, but I think about, you know, books, videos, dolls, toys, like most of the Disney princesses are, I mean, they're all thin, young, and mostly white. So, you know, that is the aesthetic. And yes, my niece fits into that, but it isn't just about her individual beauty. I really think it's about this broader vision that even for those of us that in some ways fall into that, I still don't want that to be the way that I see the world. It's not about me just having more confidence in my own body. That is the first step. Like I believe you have to be kind to yourself in order to be kind to others. And so I always start with you. If we want to care about the ethical implications of you know fashion on the environment, Let's start with making women feel more beautiful, confident, knowledgeable, and empowered. And from that place, you want to now be even more, you know, kind to others. Um, So I think about, okay, how could my niece be someone that has a broader view of, of beauty so that she is welcoming and celebratory and legitimately having equal thoughts about, ah, that's beautiful, and that's beautiful, and that's beautiful, and I don't have this one narrow vision. So My hope is that after today, you will start to be just a little more aware of what you're seeing, feel empowered over your choices, that we get more control than ever before, and we have more options than ever before. Because even though I I acknowledged that it takes a little bit of work to, to, to curate this for yourself, it is present more than ever. There is more diversity in our television and our movies and our, uh, you know, the the influencers that we can follow and and all of that. And that is amazing. I am just feeling encouraged for myself and therefore encouraging you to join me in leaning into that even more and being more of an active participant in what I curate in addition to celebrating that culture also is shifting and putting more of that in front of me naturally. And that with that visual intention, we also start to notice the thoughts we think when we see things, including the real women in our lives. Because I believe wholeheartedly that yes, clothes can make you feel more beautiful. I am wearing this like blue silk lounge set right now on this rainy day in Brooklyn, and I'm just feeling really great about it. I love what I'm wearing right now. It makes me feel more confident in what I do. It makes me feel more peaceful being home on a rainy day in quarantine, and yet, Clothes aren't enough. It is also our thoughts and our stories that can make us feel more beautiful. As I like to say, without buying more, weighing less, or waiting for the patriarchy to fall. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately, speaking of television shows, guys, I discovered a new show and I felt like 
offended. Like, how did none of you ever tell me about this before? Like, are other people watching this? And has no one been like, um, Hillary really needs to watch the show? I have received nary one DM saying, you're watching this show, right? Because it's so you. And that show is called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I think it's already on season two. So it's not like it just got here. It's this girl who's a software engineer, which is what my husband is, and she's kind of geeky. When we talked about the, the the visuals of what you take in, I thought about her and how she's very tiny and petite, which yes, she's like white, thin, and young, but she's very non-sexual. You know, she doesn't have curves. She dresses like a, a Gilmore girl. Like it is not about her being this voluptuous, sexy, sexual creature. Speaking of Gilmore Girls, Lauren Graham is on it. Fine, great. But again, she's wearing like suits and it's not about sexuality. The other main character is uh, like transgender, uh, plus size, black woman. Um, And so also Mary Steinbrenner is on it, um, who, you know, is a great example of aging gracefully. I just think she's a gem. So on today's topic, I was like, yes, this is a great show to be watching that doesn't have many of those classic beauty stereotypes that that's not what the storyline is all about. So anyways, Zoe has this magical power, if you don't know the show, it's a long thing how she gets it, where people sing out their deepest feelings to her. So she's basically walking around her life like a musical. Now, she doesn't appreciate this power. I mean, I would be really into it. Can you just imagine how how amazing my life would be if I'm just walking down the street and then I just hear this person doing this like amazing modern dance, Mandy Moore interpretive number. And I'm just like, oh, they're hurting. And then I can just go over and help them. I'm just like, I mean, it's kind of amazing. So um, that is my recommendation for the week with my second, got a second PS, something I'm loving lately, which is listening to a podcast while doing a puzzle or coloring. Now I've mentioned this before, how I'm loving my like puzzle and podcast combo. The other night I also, Jeremy was out uh, droning and I colored a picture while listening to a podcast. Now, the reason I'm mentioning that in today's episode is because what I realize in those moments is that I'm not taking in something visual. Like I'm listening to something that is educational or entertaining and I am by no means saying visuals are bad and I love aesthetics and I love, you know, all the all the beautiful things. But just as an as an alternative, as an option, I realize that if I'm listening to a podcast, I really want to be multitasking. For me, there's probably like 5% of you that are super zen meditators or whatever that can just sit there and listen. But I want to be multitasking. Well, during quarantine, I've got less multitasking to do. I'm not doing my hair and makeup. I'm not commuting. I'm not going places. And so it, I, what I what it hit me is that I've come up with something else tactile or visual that I'm doing while I'm listening because my other alternative, if I wasn't doing those things, I would be on Instagram or I would be watching uh, television. And again, Those things are not bad, but I do enough of those things and actually I'm generally getting more value in my life, more more wisdom, education, encouragement, you know, uh, inspiration, whatever it is from listening to a deeper dive podcast. And so just that as sort of one more last little layer of this of 
How often also am I visually consuming all of this? And when it goes back to our thoughts, are there, you know, these personal development, faith-based, whatever podcasts that I could be listening to that are strengthening my mind as one more small piece of this puzzle in having thoughts and stories that make us feel more beautiful? And I would love to hear more from you, my beautiful friend. If you would come over to Instagram, tell me in the comments below my latest post what Uh, what profiles you have found that are inspiring you. I think that this could be such a beautiful place for us to share more diversity of accounts that we are following and then be able to, you know, kind of get like the, the cheat sheet there by clicking through and seeing who else everyone else in this community is recommending. So I would love to see you over there with Grace and Gumption. Till next Wednesday. 